Hey, and welcome back to e-commerce marketing school. I'm Tony, your host, and today we'll be chatting with Stacy Harnett, VP of marketing and e-commerce at Chomps. Now as director of e-commerce, Stacy oversaw all e-commerce and ROI strategy as it relates to digital marketing and drove a 291% increase in e-commerce sales and a 32% decrease in customer acquisition costs from paid media. Today, she'll tell us how she utilizes her data-driven approach to testing, innovation, growth planning, and channel development, and how you can too. So let's dive in. You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School, presented by Privy. All right, Stacey, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you on. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Of course, no, I'm excited to have you. I am um, actually a huge fan of Chomps. And so I obviously heard of Chomps before I met you. I actually have one around here somewhere because it's part of my like lunch because I actually eat them. Amazing. <laughs> but it's so great to have you here. So let's dive right in. I guess, of course, you guys heard in the intro that, that Stacy is the VP of Marketing and E-Commerce at Chomps. And there's a very specific reason why I wanted to bring her on, right? So we we focus a lot about, you know, small to mid-sized businesses, right? And there's a lot of great advice for small to mid-sized businesses, but I feel like oftentimes on this podcast, we kind of get into the rut of really focusing on the small end of that. And we don't have the opportunity to talk to someone who's kind of been through the small, but through the mid in really growing a large business. So when I found out that Stacy was available to talk on the podcast, I had to get her on. So Stacy, thanks again for coming on. But so last year, just to give a little context, I started started kind of like eating healthier and stuff like that pretty seriously. And my favorite grocery store is Trader Joe's. And I found Chomps there. It's like the perfect healthy snack. Basically, if you haven't heard of Chomps, they're, they're like a healthy Slim Jim, kind of like a meat stick. I think they're actually one of the only white labeled snacks at Trader Joe's. Like, I think everything at Trader Joe's is Trader Joe's brand, except for Chomps and like two other protein bars. Is that right, Stacey? They keep it really tight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you give us a bit of an intro? Tell us about uh, Chomps as a company before we dive into that whole insane growth that we're going to talk about. Of course. Yeah. So Chomps was founded back in 2012. So it feels like we were just celebrating the 10 year anniversary, 10 year birthday. Um, it's a family owned and operated healthy snack brand. Um, so like you mentioned, the current portfolio is high quality, sustainably sourced proteins in a meat stick format. There's no hidden or harmful ingredients, no sugar. That was really kind of core to um, founding purpose. Today, over 4.6 million households have made it the fastest growing meat stack brand. So a lot of exciting growth um, coming up on four years at Chomp. So our early story and founding story was D2C. So we've been a Shopify business owner since the start. And it's really allowed the brand to truly perfect the product, have that two-way dialogue to learn from and build a loyal community with our consumers. And then over time, starting with Trader Joe's, we've had a really disciplined but fast growth in the retail space. So our business has evolved from D2C and e-commerce into a true omni-channel business. So Today, we're in over 16,000 retail doors um, with continued growth and expansion in e-commerce. So it's really a truly kind of growing and evolving business dynamic that we're able to manage through across Omnichannel. So that's kind of the goal, right? For, I mean, if I was a small business owner, which I have to say that I'm not, I just help a lot of them. That would be the goal, right? To kind of grow it to that stage. Now, you... You weren't necessarily with Chomps at the very, very start. Obviously, you're intimately familiar with it. But when you came in, you drove 
291% increase in sales. Basically, over the bulk of the pandemic, right? Like that was the kind of how you did that. And I guess my question is, obviously, that's why I said I wanted to bring you on because that that growth in the middle, obviously, after the D2C portion is what a lot of our listeners strive to be at. So I think the most important question I want to ask you, I just want to start with it is when you got to Chomps, you started your efforts there. You were probably entering Chops at the same stage as a lot of our listeners' businesses are at. So what problems or opportunities for growth did you see in the company when you first got there? Yeah. So there was a, a ton to dive into right away. I think prioritization played a really critical part in that from the start. So just to kind of paint the picture, we had two co-founders started in 2012, but when I joined, I was employee 10. So they really oh had a lot. Yeah. They had a lot of <laughs> early stage, very disciplined growth, but Pete and Rashid were managing customer service until 2018. Like they were replying to every email. They had Google search campaigns. That was Pete's campaign against Rashid's campaign. And they were doing a lot hands-on. So you were there. You were there early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I take that back then. You were, wow. Okay. That's incredible. I mean, I wouldn't say too, too early, but yes, team of 10, a lot of consultants and different kinds of experts in the field. So they decided really early on, I think they made a lot of great decisions early on to that helped future proof the business. So what I mean is kind of this open debate of like, are you D2C only? Do you lean into Amazon? Like they were like, yes, they found a lot of value in creating that direct one-on-one -on -one conversation. But we also had a growing business on Amazon, on Thrive, and just knew how consumers were shopping and at the advantage of a platform for brand discovery, for purchasing multiple products at once in one place and the convenience of that. So when I started, they had a lot going on from distribution platforms and channels to their marketing mix. So marketing mix was everything. Like there was no one silver bullet. We didn't grow specifically through Facebook or affiliate or, you know, there wasn't one channel. Pete was writing blogs and, you know, building SEO and non-brand traffic and kind of creating that. So the biggest focus for us, like in this diverse media mix was like to truly understand what our business goals were, understand the metrics, and then have that guide decision-making very early on. There were big dollars being spent for that stage of the business. And we had to make sure that we were optimizing across all of these different channels and platforms. At the time I was really, I started as the media buyer. So I started just managing paid social and search. And so quickly had to expand my scope and understand what was happening in all of these different places. Sure. So when you talk about what was happening in all these different places and the metrics, figuring out the metrics, was it kind of like a figure out what's working and stop doing what's not working and just focus on what's working? Or did you continue all of those different kind of channels? We never really shut down a channel. It was all about optimization, I would say, and reallocation of budget. So understand the metrics and that goes beyond just top line or platform ROAS. Like work with, you know, the finance team. We brought on a finance person and really worked with him to understand like what's the cost per acquisition? What's the lifetime value? Like what's the payback window that you need to be able to invest up front and understand kind of that cash flow dynamic of a of startup growing business and what the tolerance for risk was there. And so there's different fee structures in D2C versus Amazon and different things like that. So understanding the perspective there, 
there were times where we pulled back a lot, like significantly until we could really like re-optimize the programs. Facebook is an example. We had a lot of high spend there, but we knew what we were spending wasn't driving the most efficient spend. So like rather than continue to do that, find enough scale where you can optimize, you're still feeding the algorithm and playing into like what it needs to test and learn, but do so in a disciplined way so that when you've got it, you can scale it from there and everyone feels really confident to really start to scale again. Cool. I mean, that aligns really well. It's interesting because when you first start a business, you know that all that's coming or you know that you're going to have to do all that, but um, you're so stuck in the grind that you kind of forget to figure all that out. And it seems like they were kind of stuck in the grind, not in a bad way, but they were grinding with a small team for what, like five or six years until they pulled their heads up to do that. That's, that's cool. They didn't bring on a first employee until 2018. It was just them for, oh my gosh. Yeah. I had no idea. (laughs) Their story kind of joining was like, this kind of push and trying to understand when do you go full time? When do you start to build a team? So it's interesting to align as you're growing a team to like what information you need, like how do you align everyone's individual incentives? Like I was incentivized in the same way as our Amazon manager at the time. So we weren't competing in any way. So like we're not just living in swim lanes and we're making decisions together to be able to reallocate, like looking at it as a single marketing budget as you build and grow that team. Yeah. So that kind of brings me to the next question I wanted to ask, which is kind of about this weird stage in growth. Cause to me, maybe it wasn't this way, but it seems like there was going to be a bit of a hockey stick growth coming when you joined. And when you guys started, obviously, if you were a Shopify app, you're using or not an app, a Shopify store, you're taking advantage of some apps. And then I know that when you, when you scale, I've been part of, I was employee 18 of a company that really went off and scaled, we felt all this pressure to get Salesforce and Zendesk and all these crazy apps and things like that. And then we had to pull back. So I'm curious, what kind of tools did you use that actually helped you guys scale in that? What was that process like? Those were two tools we inherited as well. (laughs) So we run Salesforce Pardot, you know, email, and it just, we weren't living in this Shopify ecosystem with like seamless integrations and where you were really kind of able to be really agile. And it was a heavy lift even from a technology perspective. So we didn't have the incredible product manager we have today to set everything up and to kind of own and manage that. It was us, like it was us as a combination of backgrounds to figure that out. So we made a lot of transitions in technology that lived within this ecosystem and all of these tools you could build together that would talk to each other's Clavio, um, rebuy integration, things like that through subscription and customer service and gorgeous. So we were making those transitions to build an ecosystem that talked to each other. And then it enabled everyone to be able to be looking at the same metrics, understand, share information. And it just became a lot more seamless and just a, a lighter lift. It wasn't so, it didn't burden the team in any way. Like your tech stack should enable you. It shouldn't drag you down or bog you down in kind of technical information or implementation. So basically you, you were attracted to these larger ones, right? Salesforce and desk. And then you realized, man, this is really not as cohesive as we need. And you brought it down. Can you mention some of the ones I know you just mentioned a couple like gorgeous Clavio. What are some of the tools that stand out that did that? If you want to speak to a little bit to 
just a couple, whether they're Shopify apps or not, like people that are before your stage want to know what you used that worked, right? Yeah, I think those were some of them. I think we're still going through some of the migration as well. So we did transition from Zendesk to Gorgeous, I would say, end of last year. So there was certain tipping points. We love Gorgeous. We're big fans. Yeah, we love it. So the customer experience team is doing a lot of incredible things with just testing on site, pop-ups, things like that. That again, just integrated post-purchase surveys and different tools there. We also were, you know, took on building an internal data warehouse internally. I would oh, say wow. maybe avoid that. We <laughs> built this really complex <laughs> system that was SQL based. And then you build a team that doesn't know SQL and there's no assumption that they should. So you're not enabling your team. So we're currently vetting, you know, more tools that, that sit and integrate right into Shopify because it's not a data visualization tool and it's not meant to be. So that is one area that I would say lean in earlier than maybe we did to leveraging a tool like that. Cool. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, to bring it back kind of before this journey, you helped drive this massive increase in sales. You guys were, it seems like no offense to you, but it seems like the hard work that they put in, it seems like they were destined to kind of do this. They just needed they needed help, people who knew what they were doing that were good at their jobs to do that, and that was you. So it seems like they did a lot of the stuff that we tell people they need to do. They need to be posting consistently and building their SEO and slowly building their brand. It sounds like they slowly built their brand doing all this remedial work that nobody wants to do for like five or six years before they hit it. So it's a really a testament to all of the long-term things. I'm gonna nail it to people's heads right now. Do the long-term things. You know, every time we talk about Black Friday and yeah, preparing for Black Friday, people are like, how do I get people to my site? It's like, well, when you started your business, we recommended that you start building your SEO and that will have served you right now. Yes. But start right now. People are like, oh, I'm too busy. It's Black Friday. I'm not gonna start that right now. It's like, okay. So it does work. No, we still have blogs from years ago driving 5,000 you know, new customers to the site per month through non-brand wow. search terms and discoveries. So it's a huge, a huge continued focus for us, you know, even in the beginning. So you might not see the payoffs right away, but I would agree with you 100% there. Cool. Well, on that note, I was curious, before going on this journey of making Chomps a household name, I would say, that's my household name, what advice do you have that you kind of wish before you started growing it? Yeah. And I always think about this question as like, what could have accelerated that learning period? Because I think for us, like everyone entered, like you said, we were hired as subject matter experts in the space. Like we, it was identified a need for that, that person to come in and, and do their thing. And then everybody's had the opportunity to grow and expand from there. So I think like focus on on the metrics and the goals and the broader business context. So making sure that everyone that is joining the team knows what's happening beyond their channel. So this is a big conversation with, with growth brands and things like that today is like top line growth, profitability, like knowing your P&L. I do think that that foundation just accelerates decision-making and takes guesswork and assumptions out and allows you to just move so much faster. Like being able to align and say like, hey, I'm seeing some amazing performance right now in this channel. It's hitting our goals. Like there's a little bit of risk if we accelerate, but like, here's what I think it could do. Then like, you're all speaking the same language and you're able to like 
make that decision so much faster than maybe just struggling through some ambiguity in the beginning. I think there was something that I heard this week. My wife actually told me, she said, if you don't do the scary, you'll never be able to do the scary or something like that. Like if you, if you don't kind of make that push, then you'll never get to those places that seem kind of scary, right? That major growth. That's great. And I think that a lot of small business owners, they have this kind of imposter syndrome where they're like, oh, I don't need to worry about that stuff yet. My business isn't that serious. But I think I agree with you. I think you're ne- it's never too early to start considering those facts and be a data-driven company from day one. Yeah. And there's different periods in your business that you'll be more tolerant to risk than others. There's going to be certain perspectives. Like we had a big year of inventory allocation and building capacity as we grew and scaled. And that meant making critical decisions across like prioritizing product on shelf because there's risk of being discontinued and pulling back on some of the growth and momentum that we had on e-commerce. And if everyone's aligned on that and you know when you can really lean in and then when you can accelerate that again, I think just sets up team and company decision-making for future growth. All right. Well, Stacy, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Everything you've said has been so valuable. And I, I know that all of the small business owners and everyone that listens to this is just going to eat this up and try to apply it and steal it. So thank you so much for coming on. Now, where can people connect with you or find you? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Don't hesitate to reach out. There's so much value in making connections in the space. Would love to hear about you and what you're building as well. And then you can find Chomps. And um, we just launched our new website this morning. So chomps.com. Oh my gosh. It was, yeah, labor <laughs> of love. All still on Shopify. So check out our new website. Say hey to our customer service team there. They love to hear from you guys. Awesome. Well, Stacy, thanks again for coming on. And everyone listening, thank you so much for listening to e-commerce marketing school. Now, if you are listening to this podcast, you can actually watch it on YouTube. I know I say this every time, but we're on the Privy YouTube channel. Or if you want to see us in your social feed, you can find clips of this episode and all our future episodes on Instagram at Ecom Marketing School. So thank you so much for listening, Stacy. It was a pleasure having you on and everyone have a great rest of your week. Bye.